What's happening, guys? I got a fun show for you today, but I have two quick announcements before we get it started. Firstly, on Monday, the 27th, which is the day this episode is dropping, we are also dropping a patron exclusive. I'm ex- really excited about it. Me and Jeff, we are recording a commentary track for the last episode of Loki. We thought it would be a cool time to do it with all the new context of Ant-Man and Quantumania and what Kang the Conqueror is like. And just a fun thing to do for the patrons. So uh, that is dropping on the Patreon today. Patreon.com slash MCUcast if you're interested. Secondly, for any of you pandas in the Georgia area, especially in Atlanta, like metro area, I am playing uh, music on March 4th at a sort of a geeky convention that the city of Marietta is putting on. It's called Marietta the Gathering. (laughs) Funny, funny pun there for Magic the Gathering. Uh, So if you uh, live in that area, come see me. I never announce these things on the show, but it's a geeky event, and I'm singing a bunch of geeky music, some Marvel stuff, some Star Trek stuff, some Star Wars stuff. Uh, So come check that out. March 4th, Marietta the Gathering in the like Marietta Town Center. Uh, out, it's going to be, I believe, an outdoor event, but they have indoor options if it rains or something. So come, come check it out, March 4th. I'll be playing. I'm excited. My band, The Garage, which is my geeky band, is going to be playing over there. So uh, check it out. Uh, I'll put more information online. I'll put it in the Stranded Panda Chat and stuff on Facebook. Uh, Come see it. Check out the Patreon exclusive and uh, listen to this here episode of the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. It's an exciting one. Lots of cool news. Enjoy. Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, there was recently an interview with Kevin Feige where he released a lot of little newsy, newsy nuggets Jay Sisson from Commute the Podcast uh, shot me a message and said, hey, you going to cover this article? And I was like, why don't you come tell me about it? So that's what we're doing today. All that right of this ad we have no control over. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll, and with me today is Jay Sisson of Commute the Podcast. How you doing, Jay? I am doing really well. Good to, good to be here with you, talking a little future of the MCU. Yeah, man, great to have you as always. Um, let's uh, so so. This is just an article that it was just a. It's a very long article where Kevin Feige's being interviewed, kind of in preparation for Quantum Mania. Uh, but I figured also like we wait till cover all this new little tidbits till after Quantum Mania because it might give us even more clues as to what they're really saying. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, for sure. So, uh, we're just going to kind of go down them, and you just tell me what tell me what he's saying, and I will react naturally as I do. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to kind of keep the context in mind that it is Kevin Feige, and he's so, like, he's so calculated mm-hmm. in what he says and how he says it. So, you know, in this interview, it was given to Entertainment Weekly and Variety, and he doesn't just drop, like, the big Marvel bombs. Like, it's not – he's not confirming projects. He's not confirming casting. But he said a lot of really interesting things in a certain way that kind of makes you see a little bit where the studio's head is at. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what we're we're looking at here. And it can lead to a lot of interesting conversations, I think, in just, like, the way we're going to see these – uh, these shows and these movies change as the years come on, as we move into phase five and phase six. Yeah. So one of the biggest things from the interview was he was talking about how 
the phase five and phase six shows specifically really need to be spread out more and paced differently so that they kind of, in his words, have a chance to shine. And he specifically mentioned less shows a year. And then this was kind of confirmed by the interviewer who said, so are you going to like slow down production or does this mean like less shows a year? And he was like both. So just this kind of general idea that the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which was so just like crazy condensed over the past couple years. I mean, I went back and looked at last year um, or the year before last and didn't realize how much happened. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, What If, Loki. Hawkeye, Loki, Hawkeye. and there were three movies. Yep. So like, that's, <laughs> that's crazy, yeah. right? Like, oh, yeah. and, uh, and so this kind of deliberate way of saying like, I think we get that and we're trying to kind of stretch these out a little bit so they can be appreciated a little more and give them time to breathe. That felt just like a very intentional statement that he was trying to make. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Honestly, there's two sides of me is like, part of me is like, no, no, no more content. Always. I want more, more, more. But I understand that like, you're asking me bigger than your stomach. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can want all the content. And then once you get it, you can get a little like, oh, I'm kind of full. I was kind of feeling like the lead up to secret wars was happening a little too fast. Like you think about the lead up to Endgame and how long it took and how many films we got and how long yeah, we got yeah, with yeah, the characters. Yeah. And now it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Characters, shows, movies, just like constant introductions. And to me, it felt like, man, like we are moving at a really fast pace and I don't know if it's for the better. Yeah, I I understand that. I have really enjoyed everything they've done for the most part. Like I really like each individual show, and I, I like what it was. But I just think I just hope they don't overcorrect. I guess is my worry. I don't yeah. mind it a little slower, but I hope we don't go from like oh let's do seven or eight a year to like we need to do two a year. You know what I mean? Like that it just feels like mm-hmm. they yeah. could overcorrect in a way that would not be fun. Um, because I I love having Marvel content every week. But anytime there's like a week, a week or two off, I get excited for the next one in a way that I, sure. I might, I feel kind of fatigued when it's just every week. Um, so I, I don't know. For me, it would be better if there was like two weeks, three weeks between every property instead of literally what they did. I think one one year, I don't know if it was twenty one, twenty one, or twenty one, twenty two, but we did the math on it and they averaged something every week. You know, it was like 50, 52 or so. It was like over 50 or right around 50 episodes or movies. Sometimes they overlapped. Some things went on top of each other. But, like, they basically averaged a show a week or a movie a week, a piece of content a week. And, like, that's just – that that's a lot of content. But if you just give me, like, a few weeks off in between, like two or three, I think that would – I think that might be a good happier place. But I don't know. Yeah. I think too, and we'll go ahead and move on, but I think too, this was kind of a shot at Bob Chapik, who took over Disney uh, for a minute uh, Mm. after Bob Iger retired. Uh, And if you kind of don't know anything about like the corporate structure of Disney, they've kind of been like going through it over the past couple years. And uh, Bob Iger, who is this very beloved person who kind of is really responsible for Kevin Feige doing what he did. Uh, He was the CEO of Disney and all of that lead up to Endgame. And then he retired and Bob Chapek took over. And I think a lot of this kind of pressure to put out so much content so quickly came from that. 
that because now that Bob Iger has been brought out of retirement and is the CEO of Disney again, it seems like this to me was a statement to say like, I can do things on my own time now without be just straight up saying that. Yeah. Well, there's also, um, I, I also think like, I don't know if Kevin Feige had like, you know, how much control he had over that or not. But I think that you just get a little bit of reaction from the fans. Uh, and I think that's generally been a little bit like less excitement around the big events because you just feel like there's something every week. I remember we just watched Loki, which was one of my favorite things Marvel's ever put out. And then Black Widow came out. It's like, I've been waiting for a Black Widow movie for years, but Loki was so epic. And it's this like sweeping story of the multiverse. And then I'm in the theater watching Black Widow, and it feels like small in comparison to this TV show I just watched. And I was just like, man, this is a weird time to be a Marvel fan. <laughs> like, I feel yeah. part of that was because of the long delay for Black Widow. It ended up getting kind of smushed in or whatever. I watched the Star Wars shows too, and I, I, I don't think that it's a great idea to have those Star Wars and Marvel shows overlapping like they have. Hmm. I don't. I don't think it's it's not good for either show. It seems like it stifles a lot of the the conversation and the excitement around the shows when they're really overlapping, which they did quite a bit. Yeah. I do think there's a lot of overlap in those two audiences. So that is, uh, that is a concern. I am not, I, I, I watch most of the star Wars stuff, but I'm not like out there getting in the conversation too much. So for, sure. for me, like I, that isn't a concern for me. Like I can let a star Wars show go by and not even check it out <laughs> some, yeah. sometimes, or I'll watch it every week, right when it drops. Like I just, just kind of like for Star Wars for me is like, if I have time, you know, I'll check it out if I have time. Yeah. So the next thing is he talked a lot about the episodes of TV that they're trying to make and how they're really rethinking episodes of TV. And he specifically mentioned that they want to make sure that their television episodes are a lot more standalone and a lot more like episodic and self-contained. Mm. And he kind of even mentioned like a cliffhanger is great, but like we don't really want to do that. We're kind of experimenting a little more with like self-containing stories within episodes. And he specifically called out Daredevil as kind of their playground for that, is that they're really going to try to make these episodes of Daredevil not be super cliffhangery, but kind of be a little bit more like story followed by story every week, which I thought was like an interesting thing to say. That is one of the hardest things to get right for any TV show is the balance between serialization and, and overarching stories. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, that's the same thing. Serialization and being more episodic, you know? Yeah. It's like really, really hard to balance. It's something that, you know, I, I do the Star Trek Universe podcast, and that that is the biggest flaw with, I think, of all of the Star Trek series right now. They can't yeah. seem to find the right balance. Uh, almost every one of them has like a problem with the balance of like, oh, this is too episodic and I don't feel like it's driving the story. Or this is so uh, serialized that each episode doesn't feel like a meal. Like, like we were talking about, uh, as we covered Last of Us um, a couple days ago on uh, PandaVision. Uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's weird, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so he also mentioned the idea of the balance of the MCU, which I thought was kind of interesting of like, the connectivity balance of it all, which is what makes it what it is, the idea that everything's connected. But mm -hmm. he also like mentioned that they really try to make sure that when they write these stories that they make them for people who just want to see a movie on a Friday night too. So that idea of like, how do we create a standalone movie that's a standalone story that you can buy into, but you also don't feel like you have to do your homework before you go in. 
but right. also recognizing that a lot of people really like to do their homework too. And so yeah. trying to kind of put all that on the scale and make a movie, which is a dynamic that just other studios don't have. And so mm. I thought that that was like an interesting kind of aspect of his job is like, how do I make this a movie that like, if you haven't seen all the Disney plus shows and you haven't seen all the 20 plus movies or whatever, you still feel like you can go see it. But if you're also one of those people who have seen every minute of the MCU, you're also walking away feeling like the connectivity is great here. Yeah. And you're getting more reward for all that time you've put in, you know? Yeah. Um, they couldn't get him to say anything about mutants. Surprise, surprise. They asked, uh, but you know, nothing came out, but on the topic of mutants, he did mention Deadpool, which he did confirm is rated R, which I'd think probably isn't that much of a surprise to us, but he did say something like Deadpool is our first rated R movie in the MCU, which kind of got me and the rest of uh, people who I think follow this type of stuff too, thinking about Blade, right? Like, so mm. Blade is going to start, and this was also mentioned in the article as well, Blade is going to start shooting in about 10 weeks. He said that the directors were already in Atlanta. They were already doing their photography and getting everything set up for shooting. So it kind of made me think, like, is Blade going to be rated R? And if you kind of take literally what he said, um, I don't know when Blade's supposed to come out at this moment uh, next to Deadpool, but it almost seems like maybe that was a way of saying that Blade is not going to be rated R, which I don't know. Hmm. What, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, I hope, I hope for many of my friends who care about that <laughs> – <laughs> that it is rated R. I know a lot of people feel strongly that Blade needs to be rated R. I generally am okay with most things being PG-13. I don't really... I think that Deadpool specifically is really hard to get PG-13. I think most things, like, for me at least, uh, when you're talking about joking and, like, the crass kind of jokes that De Deadpool makes, it's really hard to not make that rated R. Um, it's going to really affect his language, um, although, I don't know if we, we talked about this in the MCU cast one time, the idea that, like, I think in the MCU, you could bleep Daredevil yeah. and just have him comment on it, and it would be hilarious. I think yeah. you could do a whole movie that was, like, PG, or PG-13 with Daredevil, not PG, PG-13 with Daredevil, and he's just, like, trying to get past the censors, you know what I mean? Like, he's cursing at the screen and, like, keeps bleeping him. Like, I think that could be really good and funny. Um but I don't know. They could do all kinds of things with Daredevil. I actually think that even even if he they put him in his rated R solo films, they could do something like that with like an Avengers film. You know, if he shows up and he's like being censored and he just talks at the camera about why like Disney had to keep this one clean, I guess or so. You know, like that. That, yeah. that I, I love Daredevil because he's just so versatile and fun and meta. Or Deadpool. Deadpool. Have I, have I been saying Daredevil or have I been saying Deadpool? Yeah, but I didn't want to cut you off because like, oh, you're in the no, middle of the good. thought. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't want to like just jump in. But, you know, everybody knows what you mean. Yeah, but sure. I, I think I think that is inevitable, like a Deadpool appearing in a PG-13 property and like playing with the fact that it's a PG-13 property. Like, yeah, that'll yeah, happen yeah, for at sure. some point, for sure. Well, they even made that PG-13 version of Deadpool 2, right? Like yeah. they re-released it. And like with like a wraparound from like 
Fred Savage or something like when he, which is like a Princess Bride reference. Yeah, <laughs> love that so much. Yeah, but I'm kind of with you. I I don't need Blade to be rated R. Um, I don't feel that strongly about it being rated R. Same. But like you said, I, I think a lot of people do. They do. Um, yeah. But Ash is going to be very upset if it's not rated R. <laughs> but I think too, like you think about the character, they probably want him in some other stuff. Like uh, they probably want him in like the Midnight Suns, and they probably want him like so. I don't know if a rated R Blade in a solo film can translate to all the other PG thirteen stuff they want him to appear in. Yeah, but we'll see. You know, I would imagine there'll be something official about that at some point, especially if they're going to start shooting in ten weeks. But that's just something to to think about, I guess. Is like maybe if you're like a blade rated R purist, maybe just start preparing yourself a little bit for the possibility that it's not going to be rated. Yeah, R. yeah. But, um, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a lot more post production or something, and. The, the filming ordered isn't necessarily how they're going to be released, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, the Marvels got delayed, uh, which they did not talk about in this um, oh. article. Uh, but they did talk about uh, Brie Larson and Iman Vellani and Tiana Paris and how much their relationship in the movie and dynamic is great. Uh, but then about three days after this article came out, they announced that the Marvels had moved from July to November. So what that means now, as it stands right now, is that there is actually um, not a Marvel movie currently slated for a July release that we're going to hit the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, in, May. in May, and then we're not going to check into the theater until November uh, with the yeah. Marvels. Which so, I, I think we've had years like that before, where we've had an early yeah. movie, a May movie, and a late. Uh, yeah, in the year movie, so I'm fine with that. I, obviously, I would love to have it now, but <laughs> yeah, they didn't really mention a lot about the shows. But it seems like Secret Invasion is coming at some point this year. We don't really know when. Um, I would imagine that it's probably not going to be till the summer. I don't think it's going to be before Guardians. I think you would you would have a confirmation if it was going to be before Guardians at this mm. point, being so close to that movie. Um, and then Loki season two seems like it's happening this year. But yeah. past that, all the rest are kind of up in the air. Like your Ironheart and your Echo and your Agatha, like those those don't really seem super guaranteed for this year. Yeah, which is has me worried because you know they announced a bunch of them were coming out in 2023, but with him talking about how they're talking about slowing it down, like that does that mean? It also just make, makes me wonder, like when they're planning these things out, I always assume they're like working on how it's going to interact as well. You know, how, how like this show is going to lead into that show and is going to have a connection to that show. And this event will affect the other show in this way, you know? Yeah. And when you do this where it's like, okay, we're going to do this. These are all coming out this year. And then you start changing them like this. It's like, wait, well, how does that affect how it interacts, you know, with all the other shows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that was, uh, that was, I guess they're putting their money where their mouth is. They're actually pushing things back and actually spreading them out. Like they said that they were going to. Yeah. So he also mentioned, and this is kind of like a story point for Captain America, new world order. So, um, maybe if you like, don't want to know literally anything about Captain America, new world order, maybe just like hit the skip ahead button for 30 seconds or something. And we'll yeah, just keep it I, really brief. I feel like if Kevin Feige is saying it, it's not a spoiler. Like if yeah. he's officially announcing something, I never consider that a spoiler, but yes, if you're super sensitive to spoilers and you don't want to know anything about the future, this isn't the episode for you, but just, just tap that, tap that button real quick. And we'll be quick. But, yeah, uh, yeah. 
he uh, he mentioned that Harrison Ford, who we know is playing Thaddeus Ross in uh, Captain America: New World Order and Thunderbolts, that he is going to be the president of the United States uh, in that. Movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Get off my plane. So, yeah, so he specifically mentioned Harrison Ford and Air Force One, which I thought was hilarious. Like, he was like, well, yeah, he's going to be the president. And, like, we all know Harrison Ford in Air Force One. And I was like, yeah, he's been the yeah. president before. So yes, he's got he has. Some, <laughs> he's got some prepping for that role, uh, which I guess Captain America New World Order is uh, starting to shoot pretty soon, too. So God, I'm so uh, that's, excited for that. <clears throat> that's That's happening very soon within the next uh, few weeks um which uh should be really exciting we still haven't seen what steve rogers is up to yeah all those jokes in falcon winter soldier about him being on the moon made me think like well where is he like it put it in my head like i I wasn't really thinking about it almost like we've we've talked about he might come back he could come back but them teasing it that way made me think like he is somewhere and doing something yeah Uh, and i'm wondering if like old man cap will be like a mentor figure like talking to Sam, you know? Yeah. I mean, back in the theory days of Disney plus shows, uh, which was just a different time to be alive. Like when the- WandaVision was coming out and we, it was like constant like be- before we were all, uh, all burnt by Mephisto. Yeah. Like our brains were like a little broken during that time. But that was, <laughs> that was like the constant thing around uh, Falcon and winter soldier. It was like, Oh, this is the week. Here comes old man cap. He's going to come <laughs> out and give Sam an inspiring speech or whatever. And uh, that never happened. So, nope, yeah, it didn't. but it was just, it was, you just had to be there. Yeah. You just had to be there. It was, it was a weird time. There's lots of episodes in the MCU cast feed about it <laughs> where we were kicking all those theories around. Don't go look at anybody's predictions. They, they do not age well. No, definitely not. In addition to Captain America, new world order shooting soon. Thunderbolts is shooting soon. Uh, he did mention that Bucky is the de facto leader of the Thunderbolts, which Ooh, interesting. seems kind of interesting. Cause I kind of thought maybe like, uh, Yelena would be that character, but um, I mean, who knows if that even really matters in the grand scheme of things, but I right. thought it was an interesting thing to at least mention. Um, and um, then he jumped into Spider-Man talk, which was Ooh. like really kind of like surprising because he never talks about Spider-Man. It's almost like he doesn't know Spider-Man exists because Spider-Man is, you know, owned by Sony. And so right, right. anytime they they do the big Comic-Con Hall H things, they never have Spider-Man stuff up because that's a Sony thing. They get to they get to talk about that. Uh, and so what he said was that they he was he was asked about Spider-Man 4 with Tom Holland specifically, and he said that they have a story for it and that they're putting pen to paper now. And that they're working on it, which was like a big confirmation because that's um, huge. Yeah, like think so. Thinking back, like to the way because like Tom Holland's contract and all that, the Sony Marvel, it's always been unprecedented. It's always been its own thing. There's nothing to compare it to. But the way that it kind of works is that Sony owns the movie rights to the character, but they're leasing out the movie rights to the character to another studio who gets to write the movie and then kind of claim credit for the writing of the movie. But then Sony claims credit for the character in the movie. So it's like this super bizarre thing. So when they first signed his contract, he signed up for like three solo movies and two, uh, well, no, I guess three Three appearances in the MCU, right? So that was um, Civil War and Infinity War and Endgame. And then you had homecoming and well i guess it was only two solo films because you had homecoming and no it was homecoming far from home and no way home 
Well, so No Way Home came after that. Do you remember that like that whole year where there was all that drama about like, oh man, they're gonna That's take true. Tom Holland out of the MCU and all gotcha, that stuff. Gotcha. Do you yeah, remember yeah. that? Like, yeah, it was like yeah, a yeah. weird kind of like. Um, it was like a weird purgatory year for Spider-Man. Yeah, where, and that was just the time where they didn't have a new contract. So they signed a new contract and that contract guaranteed him for one solo movie and one appearance in another MCU property. So the one solo movie was No Way Home, which he did. And so he's still on the hook on that contract for one more appearance in the MCU at some point uh, at this point. But this tells me just like this conversation that Feige's kind of having with uh, EW here is that they must have worked it out to just keep making these movies with Sony, which we always knew was going to happen because like every time Tom Holland's on the screen as Spider-Man, everybody gets to secure that bag. So it it makes sense that they were going to make the movie. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was sure hopeful that that was going to be the case. And, uh, you know, I, I just want more from that character and i think there's there's room to expand and do more spider-man stories with miles morales and all kinds of stuff but i do want tom holland to return yeah i mean it would be kind of lame if no way home is how we left him and then we just saw him pop up again in secret wars you know like just think about how no way home ended and then him kind of being forgotten and being on the street and swinging around in his new suit and then he just pops into secret wars like that that is a uh, kind of a canyon that you need to bridge a little bit <laughs> to like yeah. get him to that point. Well, you um, know, Marvel's done things like that before with like Iron Man. I blew up all my suits, and then Age of Ultron shows up, and it's just like, oh, he's just back. He's just fully I just, back, and I just they love don't explain suits. It. <laughs> <laughs> I love my suits. <laughs> Nothing better than these suits. I was just kidding. I will never <laughs> stop making suits. But but yeah, I mean, I thought that was I was like, whoa, they're really talking Spider Man four, and Sony's not sitting right beside him. Um, so yeah, they they must just wild. have like a tight relationship. Uh, they they must just be fully on board to do whatever they're gonna do with Spider Man, which is exciting and good news. Absolutely, we don't have to sit around and wonder if uh, you know instead of the MCU, Spider Man's gonna be like having to fight Morbius or whatever. Right, exactly. Yeah, that man. Oh, no disrespect if you loved Morbius. No disrespect. I liked Morbius a lot, but still, like to relegate Tom Holland Spider-Man to only fighting Morbius is such a sad state of affairs. Although I don't know if you uh, you saw Morbius, right? Um, I did. Yeah. Post credits, he meets up with the Vulture for whatever, however that worked. Yeah, that that's probably my most hated scene in a movie that I've seen in a long yep. time where it's they're terrible. just like, well, he's just going to get warped over here for no reason. Be, well, it's, uh, it's because Sony owns the character. Marvel doesn't have, I guess, a contract to use that character again. And Sony's like, we have this great actor contracted as this great character. We're going to bring him over and use him to build our universe off the back of him. If nothing else, like it, you could see it. If like the vulture builds a, uh, Sony version of the Sinister Six, you know, and yeah. like in their own little universe, they get to tell their own story. And they, the thing that's exciting about it is that if they if they do work their cards right, which this is what they should be doing, they should be talking to Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and seeing who wants it, mm-hmm. and one of them be the Sony version of Spider Man that exists in a different part of the multiverse, you know, um, and then. You could have a Sinister Six movie and a sequel to one of those properties, and we just saw them, and they were great. So you could, I, if you get uh, Michael Keaton as the Vulture against Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, 
I would be in the seats for sure. Even yeah. even if like I don't want to be, even if I'm like, no, Sony, don't do it. <laughs> I would I would go. Like that sounds amazing. Especially Tom Hardy's Venom in there. Uh, Morbius, who is, you know, not terrible. Morbius is not a terrible character. He's there. It's fine. He's there. It's fine. <laughs> I can suspend a lot of disbelief. I mean, I'm watching a movie about multiverses and stuff and metahumans, yeah. but I draw the line at just we're plucking them out of this universe and putting them in this universe. I just I draw the line. It was dumb. It was really dumb. <laughs> I'm um, I'm right there with you. <laughs> All right, so two more things. All right. Um so he mentions Fantastic 4. Um he did not mention casting. Um just like, please make it stop. Like, I want to know who's going to be in the Fantastic Four movie. Like, yeah. I'm so tired of like the casting rumors. Uh, <laughs> but, but he does not mention that. Now he does say it's it's coming soon. But he does mention though that he sees the Fantastic Four as the pillar of the MCU going forward. And he puts that up against his talk about the mutants. So they ask about the mutants, and he's like, Yeah, we've got this big thing. It's this huge opportunity. It's this like giant thing in Marvel. But we want the Fantastic Four to be the pillar of this universe going forward. So it mm. seems like the Fantastic Four is almost going to kind of step. I almost felt like he was saying they're stepping into that like Tony Stark, Steve Rogers kind of role in the MCU, where they're the glue that holds the other characters together and unites the characters together. Um, and it just seemed like he has really big ideas for the future of the Fantastic Four. That's awesome. I, I hope so, because I am very. Uh, I'm very excited to see what they do. Like, we need something that grounds this universe and makes it feel. I feel like for a long time, Tony, Cap, Thor, I mean, the, the the original like six Avengers were really like grounding this universe as like this is the team, you know. Mm -hmm. And everyone else has sort of like been a spinoff of this main team. And now that we've lost Tony and Cap, it just feels it feels a little rudderless. I'd really want them to build a set of characters that I am like passionately excited to see going forward you know yeah i feel that way about the guardians for instance but they're like off in the cosmos doing their own thing and i need something grounded that grounds me to the stories a little bit yeah and then the last thing uh kevin feige who's 49 years old i don't know why that like i kind of thought i don't know wow maybe a little older than that or yeah that makes me feel terrible about myself <laughs> i mean I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm solidly younger than that but like not a Marvel universe you know, amount yeah. younger, you know? <laughs> now, and he mentioned, he was like, I've been, he's like, it said the way it was written in the article, it was like, Kevin Feige, comma, 49, who has been at Marvel Studios for 23 years. I was like, wait, hold up, 49? And then I like subtracted 23 from 49 and was like, He's been doing this for like half of his life. Uh, but yep. he he went on with the rest of the quote and said something that is either awesome or terrifying or hilarious, depending on what your perspective is. But he said that he envisions the Mar that Marvel Studios will last for 80 years like Marvel Comics. So, Ugh. you know... Think uh, think about your grandchildren filling the seats watching the MCU uh, or the Marvel Studios productions. That's Kevin Feige's vision. So, do you, do you watch Rick and Morty at all? I do. Yeah, this just reminds me of Rick so much. <laughs> Rick and Morty, hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fact that he mentions like, yeah, I'm gonna. He doesn't say this, but it's like implying like I'm gonna be not alive, and this thing is gonna be still going, pumping out new content, and none of you are gonna be alive, but it's still gonna be going. <laughs> Might make it for seventy more. 
Who knows? <laughs> Wheel me in from the nursing home. I need to see Ant-Man 26 <laughs> to connect to the wider Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. We're, on our, we're on our 16th Ant-Man uh, character. <laughs> That's rad. Uh, well, man, thank you for doing this. Those are some yeah. really cool little tidbits. And uh, you wrote me and said there were a bunch of tidbits in that article. And I was like, awesome. That article is like 16 pages long. You want to come tell me about it? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I love to do it. I, I love uh, I love reading that stuff. So I'm all down for it. That's awesome, man. Really appreciate you. Um, tell them where they can find Commute the Podcast. Yeah, Commute the Podcast is um, kind of a, a show that I do um, weekly with uh, my friend Dave, and we cover some interesting stuff, uh, just things that we think are interesting for about 20 minutes total, and we drop episodes on Monday. So come hang out with me over there if uh, if you want to learn something new. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Check out the show, guys. Check out the show. Um, and we'll be back here on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast with, uh, you know, lots of things. we got so many things coming. So many things. Uh, thanks again, Jay. We'll talk to you guys soon. Hey, and if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash mcucast. It really, really uh, matters to us a lot. Um, keeping the show running. Uh, it's A lot of you guys have gone over the last few weeks since we've been mentioning it, and we, we appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll be back soon. Until next time, true believers. Thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And a special thanks to all of our subscribers at patreon.com slash mcucast. You make this show possible. A big shout out to our brand new, first ever Illuminati tier patron, Walter Kreisky III. Thank you, sir. If you want to find all of our fine Stranded Panda podcasts, go to strandedpanda.com. And for a video version, check out youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you want to take part in our live streams, go to twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv.